Well, good morning. Man, it hurt to get here, didn't it? I mean, thank you for being at church today. I, 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 got my, I parked kind of back there in the corner, and by the time I got from my car to the, to the door, my face hurt. Did yours? It, no, I was like at seven, but I mean, it wasn't cold. It was like, hey, there's something wrong here. I think we're supposed to be inside, right? So thank you for braving the outside to, to be here and be at church today. Man, I, I sure hope your year is getting off to a good start. I know, I know it's cold. Uh, I hope your homes are doing well. We had kind of a staff email running around yesterday just checking on everybody and seeing how they were doing and man throughout our staff there's broken pipes ah can you imagine that right now uh, broken pipes and heaters that aren't working and that, that rough day for that I hope that's not going on a for a whole lot of you, but uh, I tell you, I, I, regardless of what's going on in your life, I'm super excited about what is happening here at the Heights and, and what 2018 holds for us. Now, I know when I say that, isn't that what the pastor is supposed to say on the first Sunday? Oh, it's going to be the best year ever. Um, yeah, I know I'm supposed to say that, but like, here's some concrete reasons I say that. I, I just referred to a moment ago in our prayer time, th- this past uh, Wednesday night, we had over 300 people show up for a time of prayer and to kick off that season of fasting. That's a lot of people for for 21 days of of, of prayer and fasting. And you know what, folks? God sees that and He's going to honor it. And, And do you realize we all, we all benefit from that. So that's exciting. I can't wait to see what, what unfolds from that. I'm, I'm excited about next week and uh, kicking off, starting our, our series on, on marriage. Uh, we're going to be looking at that for five weeks and going to be approaching that a, a very different way. We're going we're gonna to talk about it in, in a way of how we handle things while we're on a date. Uh, have you ever noticed you deal with a lot of issues in your marriage when you're already angry at each other? So let's take anger and let's take an issue off the table and, and let's be having fun and try to deal with some of these things. We're going to look at, at sex, at prayer, at money, even fighting. We're going to be in a good mood and talk about fighting. And uh, so that's what we're going to be doing in this series. You know, I know when we do something like that, obviously a lot of us are married, a lot of us are not married. Some of us don't want to, I don't even want to finish the sentence. You know, but let me tell you something, even if you're, if you're not married, not, not looking to be married or, or toward that, listen, I think one of the greatest things the church can do in the United States today is be able to speak positively and constructively about marriage, can't we? And so e- even if you're not married, regardless of your marital status, you work with people who could use some input. Who, who could use some, maybe some advice. And we talk to each other like that. And, and, and you know what? I think this is going to give you some real practical things for that. It's also going to be very practical to your life. Yes, my application will be very much pointed toward marriage. But uh, really what we're talking about a lot of this is communication. And uh, you're going to see, especially next week, application to every area of life, we're, we'll just be aiming at marriage a little bit. So hope you're looking forward to that. We'll be here and be a part of it. We're going to come back after that. We'll be, you know, well into February by that point. And we're going to look at uh, the vision and the mission uh, of our church, uh, of this family. And you think, oh, that's, that's great. I'm really looking forward to that. No, you're not. I, I know. I, used to, I sit where you sit. I know. You know, but I want to tell you something, folks. A little spiritual principle. I'm going to give you several today. A spiritual principle for your life for 2018. 
the stronger your church is, the stronger you are. The stronger your church is, the stronger you are. And vice versa. The stronger you are, the stronger the church is. Now, you know, sitting in church, that sounds, yeah, I guess that's right. That sounds like something I should agree with. But if we're honest, it's hard to make that connection. Just for very simple, practical reasons. I've had times in my life where everything was going on great at church, but in my life, it stunk. So how did the fact it was going on so well at church have any impact on me? Or, or hey, my life is doing well, but boy, the church I'm involved in is kind of struggling right now. See, we would, we would remember those times and say, I don't know that that relationship is there. Folks, it's always there because God said it's there. When you and I invite Christ into our lives, when we become a follower of His, we become a part of an organism, a living, a living thing. It's called the body of Christ. And when the body is healthy, the parts are healthy. When a part is hurting, the, the, whole, the whole part, the whole body hurts. And so we, we do well. We may not make the connection. Folks, that's just because we don't see it. It's not because it's not there. There are places in your life you've been weaker because your church was weak. Your church was hurting. We just didn't know that's what the connection was. So see, we do a really good thing for ourselves in 2018 when we look at our church and we say, hey, how do I know what's going on up there? How do I get engaged? How do I get involved? How do I be a part of us being a healthy body? Because we all went in that. That's what God, that's what God said. And, and, and so we're going to be looking at, we did that last fall. What I'm doing in February is not a repeat of that, and it's also a lot shorter. Uh, it's just going to be a couple of weeks. But we're, we're just going to be addressing that vision and mission and really how that's going to unfold this year. You'll remember our vision. Uh, the target we're trying to hit for this church family is in 10 years. The Heights Baptist wants to be a church that the 804, our area code, can't imagine being without. We're going to do that by expanding to five campuses, by extending the reach of, of Love 804, so that, here's the purpose, we have our greatest opportunity to share God's Word. We live in a culture moving away from that. We're looking for how we create the best opportunity we've ever had in doing that. Whether that's the preacher up here preaching the Word of God or it's you and I individually trying to take what we're learning, apply it, and live it out there. Or whether it's you and I one-on-one -on -one sharing the word of the gospel with somebody in our lives. So we're looking how we create a better opportunity, a better future for that uh, here at our church. Now our mission, that's what we do on the way to that target. Our mission is to connect all people, all people, to a God-sized life and love. That's, that's what we're about. That's what we're doing here at the Heights. I, this past, uh, not this past week, but the week before that, I, uh, my study found me in um, Zechariah. Not a book we get by a lot. Zechariah is the second to last book in the Old Testament. Uh, probably the quickest way to find it is go to the New Testament, Matthew, and go back to books. But I was in Zechariah, and, and listen to this. It's such a picture of what we're about and what we're doing. This is chapter 8, verse 22. Many peoples and strong nations. I love that word strong. Because only, only weak people need the Lord, right? You need that crutch of religion, that crutch of faith. Only weak people. No, listen to this. Many peoples and strong nations shall come to seek the Lord of hosts in Jerusalem and to entreat 
the favor of the Lord. Thus says the Lord of hosts, in those days, ten men from the nations of every tongue shall take hold of the robe of a Jew, saying, let us go with you, for we have heard that God is with you. Man, I love that picture that it presents right there. And what I just read is actually a future event. Not, not just at the time it was written, it's future for you and me. What was being described there is after the second coming. It is into the millennial reign of Christ. He is ruling visibly, physically in Jerusalem. And it's describing a time where the, the inhabitants, the people of the world, will come from all over because they want to know God. They want to be near God. They want to know His will and His ways. And I, and I love that picture. They're going to grab a Jew. Ten people will grab a Jew saying, take me to your temple. Take me to your God. Now folks, while that is a picture of a future event, it is where God is going right now. And do you know why God has a church on the planet? It's to create that opportunity right now. That that you and I would live in such a way with God's power, God's presence, God's purposes, uh, His goodness, His His faithfulness, living by His Word, that you and I would be out there living in such a way that people would literally come to us, grab us, not to arrest us, not, not, not to make fun of us. They would grab us and say, would you take me to your church? Would you take me to your Savior? That's how you and I are to be living that, that's, that's our mission in this world. You know, I know we grieve a lot today. I, I think believers do. I think we grieve that we live in a culture that has really moved very quickly away from God. I mean, that's been going on for decades. But boy, the last five, ten years has just, hasn't it just seemed to spin out of control they're, they're moving away from God. They're, they're moving away from, from any respect or value of, of His Word. And, and we grieve that. But, but folks, do you realize that while that happens, there's a tremendous opportunity there. Like maybe never before. Because you see, as that happens, the genuine follower of Christ. Whew, that's a tricky phrase right there, isn't it? The genuine follower of Christ. I didn't say the really good church-going person. I I didn't say those that are really good at being religious. The genuine follower of Christ in a culture that is moving away from him really stands out. Really, attention is drawn to, to him or her. Some of that attention you won't want, but some you will. Some will be that attention right there that I read in Zechariah. Listen, folks, spiritual principle number two. Number one, the stronger your church is, the stronger you are. That's a principle that is going to govern life in 2018. Spiritual principle number two. I hope this is not a shock. Sin doesn't work. Right? Sin doesn't work. Listen, you don't have to obey. But it's not going to lead you to a greater freedom. It is not going to produce a greater joy. It is not going to result in things coming together in your life. Do you realize as our culture more and more as a whole rejects God and rejects His Word, they're moving toward brokenness. And in that brokenness, they'll want help. And they'll want an answer. And that's where, oh, that's just crazy. That's just figurative language there, 10. No, folks, there could be a day where 10 people you know 
grab a hold of you and say, would you take me to your church? Take me to your Savior. I see, that's right out of Scripture. Does our vision and mission kind of make sense now? When we say we want to be a church that the, the community can't imagine being without, it's that you and I are living in a way they say there's an answer in God. I, I can't imagine not having you around so I could see that. that that's what we're trying to do. And, and connect people to God in doing that. Now, there's a lot of things that people could see in us that would make them say, man, I want to know how you do that. I want to know how you have... It might be our marriage. It, it, it might be the way we handle finances. You know what it may not be? It may not be how happy and perfect our lives are. What may draw people is actually how you and I cry. And how you and I hurt. They actually may be drawn to, the, to how we go through a trial and, and a frustration. That may be the thing that leads them to say, I, need, I want that. I, I, I want that right there. So there's all kinds of things as you and I live for Christ that could be a, a lure. But Jesus said there has to be one thing. Whatever else shows people that you love me, that you're following me, there has to be one thing that the whole world can see and tell that is an absolute distinctive of you. He says it in John 13, 34. By this, by this one thing, all people, all the people you work with, all the people you go to school with, all the peoples of the world, all people will know you are my disciples by your what love for one another our love for each other is to be the main thing that shows people we have a savior and a god now when it says your your love he's not talking about a warm fuzzy feeling there is he he's not saying oh y'all i just want you to smile at each other be kind most of the time anyway no that love there is is a devotion it's a commitment it's a commitment to each other to be here, to serve each other, to love each other, to care for each other. Really a commitment to move toward being a family, right? You know, that phrase, one another, used all throughout the New Testament. There's over 30 different commands governing your life, governing my life, that use those two words, one another. That's how much God's thinking about what our relationships with each other are to be. Now, when I say that, hey, God wants us to love everybody, right? God wants us to love, to serve, to forgive all people. My goodness, he tells us to forgive our enemies. But there is to be a distinctiveness, a, a special energy about the way we love, serve, and forgive, not just all people, but each other. How we help each other inside the family. This is the mission of the church. This is the mandate of God on your life and on my life. It's not just saying, hey, are you a part of a church? It's how am I a part of that church and how am I helping others? Because see, if I, if I just look at coming to church as what is this doing for me and how is it helping me and what am I getting at, but I'm not engaged with it, then I'm not loving anybody. I'm loving myself. That's okay. But he said, love one another. Not only how am I connecting, but who am I helping connect? Who am I helping see this as a family? 
So that's our challenge. That's our, our work. And, and the challenge today is we live in a culture where we're really moving upstream in this. And we, it's not just them out there. We are a part of the culture. We're also affected by this. We're not a connected society. Connection is, is not what we are looking for. We are more disconnected. We are more private than, than we've ever been. We're, we've grown increasingly comfortable with relating on the internet. Relating in social media. That's where my relationships are. And keep them there. They only see one aspect of me. The part I want them to see, right? And I just ignore their aspect of them. That's the only place we're relating. So you and I have a challenge that we connect, that we're connecting others as we become a people who are growing more and more disconnected. And so that's a challenge. And it, it should put all of us thinking, how are we doing this? How are we intentionally, purposely getting better at this in a culture that's not looking for this? And you know, as we, are, our staff, your pastoral staff here, as we've been thinking through that and working on it, you know, we've really kind of come to a place. This has been actually going on for a couple of years, but I think our dialogue really intensified in the last couple of months. We've kind of come to a place where we've said, you know, our Sunday morning schedule is not helping us connect. It, it's not helping us move from being a group of strangers to a group of friends to a family. And that's what our goal is, isn't it? Now, when I say our schedule, what, what are we talking about here? Well, you're sitting in the middle of the schedule, right? I mean, literally middle. You're the middle hour. We, we have three hours in our schedule, 8.20, 9.45, and 11.15. At all three hours, there's a worship service going on on this side of the building. And on that side of the building, there's life groups going on. But there's something about that schedule. I'm not talking about other churches. I'm talking about our church there's something about that schedule. There's something about our, our building. The environment is driving everything to the center. So while we have three hours, we don't have three equal hours. We have a dominant hour and, and two hours hanging on that I, I, I'm fearful are not really helping us and, and not really serving what, what, what our mission is. Now, let me give you some illustration of what I'm talking about right now. Now, you're sitting in worship, right? Right now, on that side of the building, there are 15 adult life groups going on. 15. Now, we don't have 15 adult rooms. Two of those, I think it's two, two of those are in the children's wing. One of those right now, right behind me, is in the choir room. And in the next hour, there'll be one in the choir. So we don't even have enough rooms for, for all the people we're trying to assimilate. Because life group is our number one way, and second's pretty far behind our number one way of assimilating people and helping them be a part of a family. What, what's a life group? A life group is a group of people you, you pray with, you pray for. I don't need anybody to pray with. doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. You've been charged and mandated by Christ to be building that kind of relationship and that kind of activity. It doesn't matter if I need it. It's a group of people that I pray with, pray for, study God's word with, maybe throughout the year do different ministry projects. Here's the big thing you do in a life group. You just build friendships in Christ. Spiritual principle number three. Without those friendships, you quit. That's, that's not a statement about how bad you are. It's a statement about all of us. Without friendships, 
we will not be, we will not remain faithful to following Christ. Doesn't matter how close you feel to him today. Doesn't matter how committed you are to doing that. This is a principle that works in every area of life. Anything that is a commitment to me all by myself and nobody else knows is a commitment that will not finish Sometimes people, my friends, don't even know, need to know what my commitment is or what I'm trying to do. Just the fact they're there keep me moving toward the finish line. We need these Christian friendships in our lives. And, and so that's how we assimilate. Well, we're full at this hour. We, we can't take more. We don't have enough rooms. Eight of the 15 classes that are meeting right now are full. It doesn't even have to be a big day, a high day. They're, they're full. Okay? So... 15 classes at this hour. Now, at 820, and, and there are people in this room right here at 945, you were in an 820 life group, or you're going to finish this service and go to 1115. We only have three classes at 820, and we only have four at 1115, because those, those outside hours aren't really, they're not really drawing to that. Now, you could do the math and say, well, why don't we go to some of the 945 classes that are meeting right now, and have them move their class to the other hour. Do you know that's an actually easy answer? Doesn't change anything about the amount of time that they're here. All it does is flip the order. So instead of being in, in worship at 820, they'd be in worship right now with you and they'd move their class to 820, right? The only problem is it would pull them out of the worship service at 820 and 1115 and put them in here. When, I mean, folks, this is a bad weather day. We're down. And look at the room is probably what? 70% full? So you can imagine if we started pulling classes out, moving them to those other hours and bring them into this worship, we'd be packed. But that's not my concern. My concern is what it would do to those other two worship services. They'd be empty. There'd be a whole lot more empty chairs than there would be people. And they're already a little bit thin at that hour. They, they, you can go to those two worship services and not really grasp, I met at a house today where over 2,000 people worshiped. Because you feel like you're almost in an empty room. And that doesn't create a great sense of energy. Doesn't create a great sense of connectedness. You can't do it as well in this hour. But, it, but those other two hours, you can come in and sit on a row all by yourself. Your family can come in and sit on a row all by itself. Now, I understand that's kind of attractive at times, right? Hey, I, I actually like that we're a big enough church that people can come in here and kind of hide. I know that sounds odd to say. But you know what? When you're first pursuing Christ... Maybe first pursuing this church thing. It's a little bit nerve-wracking. You're not sure if you're in, you're out, what's going on. And, and to kind of have a place where you can kind of come in and, and look and watch and go unnoticed is attractive. And I'm glad we're of a size that can happen. But that's not actually in the long run a way to experience God and His life for you. As a matter of fact, you won't. You won't fully know God and you won't fully know his life for you because God, knowledge of God and life in God is life in his body, the church. It's, it's life with his people. And so while I'm glad people can come in here and check us out unnoticed, the goal is to, what's that? Stranger, to family, to friend, to, to family. And, and, and so that's what we're, we're constantly moving and working towards. So we've got this thing where we've got this dominant hour. We have enough hours, but they're not equal hours. There's really just one dominant hour. Now, you might be thinking, well, why did you morons come up with three hours? You know, I ask myself that question all the time. Uh, no, you know, we came up with three, three hours uh, about five years ago. What was five years ago? 
And it's because we were experiencing such a growth, we just did not fit into to two services. Now, when I say that, boy, we were at a tricky number. We were full in two services, but boy, to move into three, it'd be a, be a little bit thinned out in three. There's a difference. So you take the same number of people in two and, and try to spread them over three. But you know, if you keep growing and keep moving, you hope to kind of fill that thinness out and, and, and that you won't have empty rows and, and that kind of thing. But, but if you don't keep growing, then all of a sudden the thinness starts to take over. Now you're saying, oh, so did we not keep growing? Is there, is there a problem here at the heights? You know, that's a funny question. It's an interesting question. 2011 to 2016, five-year time period, over 1,500 people joined this church. Not, not visited, joined. I mean, they'd been visiting and decided to become members. Folks, do you realize what, what rare error that puts our church in? Not a quarter of 1% of churches in America in that time period saw 1,500 new members. Now, that's awesome news until you finish the thought. Our average attendance from 2011 to 2016 didn't change at all. What? <laughs> how, how do you add 1,500 people and your attendance doesn't change a- at all? And when I say at all, I mean up one year by 17, down by 40, up by 80, down by 10. I mean, that's kind of what it's been, just running right along just like that. Now, first of all, I want to say, it's, it's not one issue, it's not one reason. I don't want to sound like here's one problem and here's the, the one answer to it. No, there's a variety of things that go on in there that, that make growth and, and make becoming a part of this family a challenge. You know, I think our actual physical structure and our schedule, I think we cap out about 2,400. And the reason I say that is three times, three times in 10 years, we have had this cycle where we kind of run up to about 2,400. And I'm not talking about just hitting 2,400 on one day, averaging it. Where, Where we come running up on that and then we hit that and it's like we hit a rubber roof and we just bounce right back down. And, and then we kind of go, 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 and we're back up. To, and then it, kinda, it seems like every time we get to 2,400, it's a little bit of a ceiling. Now, I don't think we can't get past that. It just means we've got to become really intentional and clear about what the challenge is in that. So that would be something. I mean, there's a variety of reasons. But I'm going to go with assimilation today. How are we assimilating? How are people who said, hey, I want to be here. I want to be a part of this church family. How are we assimilating them into the family? Life groups are number one way. And at our dominant hour, there's nowhere to assimilate. The rooms are full. We're out of rooms. Well, we got these other hours, but then that affects in here. And so, you know, we, we, what do we do? Well, I'm glad you asked, because that's what I'm here to tell you today. I love when you guys ask questions I want to answer. Yeah, so we're going to make some changes. We're going to make some pretty, pretty big changes. And so starting March 4th, 8 Eight Sundays from now, I think, March 4th, first Sunday in March, we're going to go from three services to two services. And believe it or not, that is providing you subtract and you gain opportunity. That's, that's exactly the kind of math I'm trying to get you to buy into. Because here's what's going to happen. Instead of having one dominant, attractive hour, our goal, boy, let's hope we hit it, our goal is to kind of create two 
middle hours. Two equal hours. And in that, yes, we gain rooms. We gain space for, for assimilating people. Uh, our hours, March 4th, are going to be 9.15 and 10.45. So don't have to be here super early. Still getting home kind of early. I mean, even if the pastor goes a little long, which he rarely does, but on those rare occasions... That he goes a little bit long. If you're at the 1045 service, you're still on your way to the car before 12 o'clock. So we're trying to capitalize on those two, uh, in two hours, on that, that middle hour feel. Both services will be choir and orchestra led in worship, which doesn't take a lot of explanation. That's what you've chosen to be in already. You, you just came out of a choir and orchestra that, that led the worship. So our band, which happens at the next hour, uh, is not going to be doing that each week, but we're not moving away from our band. Uh, we're, they're going to still periodically lead in worship, but we're going to bring the band and a third hour back in the fall. Now, about right now, you say, you've lost your mind, Pastor, haven't you? It's, it's like, like brain freeze up there. <laughs> no, we're not going to bring the third hour back into the Sunday morning schedule. We're going to start a, we don't know which yet, uh, either a Saturday night or a Sunday night service. When I say night, probably a five o'clock service. And uh, we're going to do something a little bit different at that hour too. And we're going to start with, in that service, we're going to start with in-home life groups. On Sunday morning, it's on campus right here, life groups, which honestly I think is the better way. It, it is the best way to handle the most family. And by family in this case, I mean your family, mom, dad, kids. It, it ministers to, it disciples the very most on campus, the most consistently. But I need ways, we need ways we can grow our family, our church family, that's not bound by a building. As we go to other campuses, sometimes a building is, we don't have that as an option throughout the week. And so we want to get better. We want to get do, good at doing in-home life groups where you, where you meet with a group of people that, that, that live near you during, during the week. And so we're going to be doing a variety of things with that. That'll, that, that and that's where our band will come back. Uh, and that'll be in the fall. So, uh, all of these things going on, that the advantage of this, again, I want to be clear about this, life group, life group, life group. We gain rooms by having two equal hours. And that, that's the driver in this decision. I think another advantage, and again, this hour doesn't fill it as much because this is our fuller hour. But at two services, we're going to have two really full worship services. That just creates an energy, a sense of excitement. It gives you a sense of, man, look what I'm a part of. Look, look what's going on here. So that's an advantage. Now, the advantage can also be a disadvantage because like on day one of this change, we could be 70 plus percent full in, in, our, in our worship services. I mean, how are we going to grow? How are new people going to come in? You know what? I care very much about that. You know that about me. You know that about our staff, about this church. We want to grow. We want to reach people. This decision, though, is really guided around being faithful with the people we've already reached being faithful with the growth we've already had and making sure we're assimilating well into a family. So let me wrap up here a couple of questions that, I, that you might, might be going through your mind. Why not do uh, one hour of worship uh, with the choir and orchestra and one hour with the band? And again, maybe not a big issue for this service because you haven't chosen to be in a band-led worship. But the main reason we're doing both worship services identical is because this change is not about worship styles. 
This change is about life group. And, and you know, when we, when we put the slate of life, it's true now, and it'll be true in March, uh, there's actually anywhere from one to three options for you at each hour for a life group. And that's the decision we want people thinking about is, which life group do I like? Which one's the best fit for me, for, for us? You know what? Not every life group is for you. I mean, they all have personalities. They all have feels for them. You'll walk into one and say, ah, that's not so much me. But then you'll walk into another and say, that's it. And see, that's what I want. We want guiding your decisions through this. Not, well, if we like this life group, that means we'd have to go to this. I don't want to go to that worship. No, we've made, we've made worship a non-variable in this. And that the decision we're making is about life group. You might be wondering, well, why are we? I'm, I'm kind of interested in that in-home life groups and an evening service. Why are you waiting till the fall to do that? Because what we're getting ready to do is a massive change literally will touch, now not all on the same level, it'll touch every single person in this church. And there's just a lot of administration to go. So we're, we're putting all of our efforts first on shoring up Sunday morning and how that works and how that happens, getting the change in place. And you ever made a change and then got to the other side of it and gone, whoops, yeah, I, I actually anticipate we're going to have at least one or two Whoops. And, and so then we'll come out of the change and we'll, we'll make some tweaks and some fixes. And so kind of get that in place. And then that gives us a little bit more time to think about what are we wanting to do in a third service? What are we wanting to do Saturday and, or Sunday night with that worship and that worship style? And that's not just a question about what the music is or, or who is playing it. The truth of the matter is, regardless of who's leading it, we do a lot of the same music at all of our services. So it's not really as much about music as what, what are we trying to create in that and do with that? What's our, our target audience? Gives us a little bit more chance to, to get good at, to prepare for, to train for these in-home life groups. One last question. Gosh, aren't we just going to be too big in, in two services? How are we going to all fit um, tightly? Yeah, yeah, we're going, we're, it, it, it could feel, have a real sense of fullness. And you know what? I think we can make that work really, really well. But you know what it's going to require? It's going to, it's going to require a new mentality on a part of all of us, and especially some people who already serve in these positions of our goal is to make people family. Remember to connect all people to a God-sized life and, and love. I think three super necessary, important positions in the life of our church the usher, the greeter, the parking lot attendant. Now, when I say those are really important, I'm not saying I need somebody to park cars, I need somebody to guard the door and hand out bulletins. I need somebody to stand out in the concourse and just kind of smile as people go by. I'm saying I need people who so love this family and want others to see that and be a part of it. And so I'm going to help you find the best spot for your car because I realize what we call Sunday morning is pretty chaotic. And I want to make it as smooth and easy for you to get parked, to find the best seat in this sanctuary for you and your family, to, to get your questions answered, to get you moved from one room to the next. So, and because it's about moving people, right? Oh, we had everybody home. Had everybody home uh, leading up to New Year's. Our house was packed. The washer was running constantly. The shower was running constantly. You know, I never once thought about traffic in my house. I thought about the joy of my family all being there. And that's what this has to become. Yeah, we're moving people. 
yeah, we're moving the, the, the traffic of people. But there needs to be a sense of not traffic, but family. And, and what a joy it is that we're all here together. Amen? Hey, change is hard. And, and you know, right now you're probably just thinking, oh, I'm going to have to come a little earlier or a little later. That's actually the small part. <laughs> you know, if you're in a life group, all of our life groups are about to change. Teaching pairs, rooms, maybe the breakdown of the class. I mean, they're all getting ready to change. And so some of those changes you'll like, and, and some you I didn't like that. I, I hope as we try to get these changes in place, we'll kind of realize the driving motive behind this. It's to help others become a part of the family that you love and that they need and want to love. Amen? It's the mandate of Christ on our lives. There's only one thing this world needs to see to know that you're a genuine follower of mine. It's how you love the body of Christ. Boy, folks, that means you and I need to be saying, how am I connecting? How am I helping others connect? That's what shows me to be His. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we ask Your blessing, Your guidance, Your favor, Your help uh, on these things that we're doing. Lord, we've been praying. We've been uh, engaging the leadership of the church and getting the word out. And, and Lord, we've got still a lot of work in front of us. And we just pray for Your help in bringing it about. And God, we, we, we pray that you will create in us a family, a body of people who, who are prepared, who are ready to reach more for Jesus Christ. Because Lord, our culture is heading toward total brokenness. Total spiritual brokenness as they walk away from you and their word. And as they come to realize that they, they need your word, they need you. And it's, it's the hem of our jacket that they're going to grab and say, hey, could you tell me? Could you take me? Lord, we want to be that church. And Lord, we want to be looking at everything in our lives, everything in our church. What's a help and what's a hindrance? And how do we bring it in line so that we're doing what you have called us to do? Lord, we ask for your help in this. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen, amen.